you've ever heard. This is a list of the ancestors of Jesus Christ. A descendant of David. Who was a descendant of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Who was the father of Jacob, the man who stole his brother's birthright. And Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers who sold Joseph into slavery. And Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. By Tamar. And Perez was the father of Hezron. And Hezron the father of Ram. And Ram the father of Amimidabad. And Amimidad was the father of Nashon. Who was the father of Salmon. Who was the father of Boaz by Rahab the prostitute. And Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. A great woman whose story is told in the book of the Bible bearing her name. And Obed was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah, whom he had murdered. And Solomon was the father, Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, a good king. But one who disobeyed God for several years. And Rehoboam was the father of Abijah, who had 14 wives. And Abijah was the father of Asa, a good king, but later disobeyed God and died of gangrene of the feet. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, a king who ruled wisely most of the time. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jaram, the father of Uzziah, whose pride caused his downfall. But Uzziah was the father of Jotham, a very good king in every way. And Jotham was the father of Ahaz, a very bad king in every way. And Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah, who cleansed the temple and re-established the kingdom. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, who ruled for 55 years. But who was evil for most of the time. Manasseh was the father of Josiah, who did the right in the eyes of the Lord. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah. Who was the father of Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, a covenant of the people who was chosen by God. And Zerubbabel was the father of Abuid, who was the father of Elikim, the father of Azar, the father of Zadok, the father of Achim, the father of Elud, the father of Elysia, the father of Matan, the father of Jacob, not the one we spoke of earlier. And Jacob was the father of Joseph the carpenter. Who was the husband of the Virgin Mary. Of whom was born Jesus, whom we call the Christ. So we're looking at the uh, genealogy of, uh, of Jesus. That's it, the genealogy of Jesus. Um, I know you'd probably like me to read it to you again, wouldn't you? from the NIV, um, but I'm not going to, not just yet anyway. Um, but it is, it is that time of year, isn't it, when we uh, prepare uh, to hear once again the familiar story of Christmas. And the temptation might be um, to jump straight into Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18, and kind of uh, overlook uh, this what might seem a boring list of names. I mean, if you were going to write a book, uh, which I've been trying to do, 
you might think, uh, well, at the beginning of the book, I want to grab people. I want to grab their attention. You know, like John, you know, at the beginning of, of his gospel, um, he kind of grabs people's attention, doesn't he? When he talks about, uh, you know, the word becoming flesh and, and it really grabs a mark. And, and, and Luke, you know, start talking about John the Baptist preparing the way. And, uh, and Matthew opens his gospel with a boring list of names. Or does he? Or does he? Um, I found this quotation. You might call the text the forgotten chapter of the Christmas story. It's a genealogy, a list of names, most of them unpronounceable. Because of that, this is a portion of scripture that we tend to overlook. We don't know what to do with it. It's not often read in public, for that matter. We don't read it often in private, unless we're following one of those read the Bible in the year plans. Hardly anyone ever memorizes this passage, and to my knowledge, it's never been set to music. Anybody ever memorized this passage of scripture? Anybody got it stuck on their fridge? No. What, what interests me in that quote, and I can't find who it's from, it's, it's to my knowledge, it's never been set to music. Well, this morning, boy, have I got a treat for you. <laughs> have I got a treat for you? Because somebody has actually set this to music. And we're going to play it to you now. A second reading of the genealogy of Jesus set to music. Found, I hope. never going to be able to look at this passage in quite the same light again, are you? 
but hopefully this passage is starting to come a little bit alive to you. And uh, I'm hoping this morning that it really will come alive. Um, family trees, it, it's quite popular now, isn't it? Uh, tracing your roots. Uh, we get people turning up here occasionally, uh, wanting to look at graves or at burial records. And uh, of course they're on that hunt to trace uh, their family tree. Of course there's programs on television uh, where celebrities... Uh, you know, are uh, investigated and, and, and helped to uh, follow their family tree. And so perhaps, actually, it's not the most boring way to begin a book. In fact, if you were Jewish, uh, your ancestry, uh, your roots are terribly important to you, where you've come from. You couldn't, you couldn't buy a piece of land uh, without being able to trace uh, that the land had been in, in your family. Um, think about, uh, you know, the, the Christmas story, you know, uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, when they were having this censor, they, they, were, they were, had to go back to the hometown. Well, how would you know where your hometown was unless you knew who your ancestors were? So for Jewish people, uh, your family tree was essential to know where you came from. And uh, this morning, uh, what we want to say, it is about history. Jesus' family tree, it is about history. Or we might say it's about his family story. It's about his family story. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Um, Michael Green, in his uh, message of Matthew, says, he, Matthew, wanted to draw attention to the links Jesus had both with David and Abraham, Jesus is the fulfillment of all history, and in particular of God's promise to Abraham that in his seed all the families of the earth will be blessed, and his promise to David that his throne and kingdom would be established forever. So right at the beginning of Jesus' history, Matthew wants to point out that he is a son of David and a son of Abraham. Now, interestingly, if you know your Jewish history, you'll know that actually Abraham came before David. So we might think, has Matthew made a mistake? Has he got it the wrong way around? Or is he wanting to highlight something? Is he wants us to, to straight away, right at the beginning of his gospel, is he wants us to see something? Well, of course, he's wanting to tell the Jewish people, because remember, Matthew's audience, the people that Matthew is writing to, is a Jewish audience. Um, and as I've said for them, it would be very important. And straight away, Matthew's wanting to say, Jesus comes from the line of David. Hmm. For Jewish people, they would prick up their ears straight away, because there was this expectation that the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, would come from David's line. We note also that straight away that Matthew has also pointed out that this is a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Christ wasn't his second name, like my second name is Booth, and your second name is, is Bill or Stacy or whatever. Uh, Christ is the title that Matthew gives to Jesus. It means Messiah, the Anointed One. So straight away, Matthew is telling his readers that this person is the Christ, the Messiah, and I'm going to prove it to you. He's the son of David. He comes from the line 
of David. Straight away, he points that out. If you're uh, used to reading this passage in the, uh, in the King James Version, you might uh, remember that they use uh, this word begat. You know, the phrase, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judah, and so on. Strange word that has given rise to uh, many sorts of interpretations. And one day a little boy came home from Sunday school, excited about his lesson, why wouldn't he be? And when his mother asked him what he'd been learned, little boy replied, I learnt about all the forgats in the Bible. His mother said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, Abraham forgot Isaac, Isaac forgot Jacob, and Jacob forgot Judah. In the spirit of that forgetting, uh, we want to remember this genealogy of Jesus and the importance. It must be important because Matthew puts it right at the beginning of his gospel. Before he says anything else, we already know that this gospel is about Jesus Christ. So Matthew, right at the beginning of his gospel, is saying, hey, I'm wanting to write to you about the Messiah. Now that would get the Jewish people's attention. We might miss it. We might skip to the exciting bit, you know, the, the, the birth and the, the Herod trying to, to kill Jesus and all that. And we might miss something really important that Matthew is wanting to say. Because Matthew thinks it's extremely dramatic and exciting that Jesus was born as a direct descendant of the most recognized and notable king in Jewish history, David. And so the book opens with this genealogy of Jesus. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Something else that we might miss when, we, when we're reading this is that it's very similar opening to the book of Genesis. Apparently the word genealogy could also uh, be interpreted uh, Genesis. And again, the Jewish people would have picked up on this straight away. They would have recognized that Matthew's writing about a new kind of Genesis. In, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, it says this, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth when they were created. And then in Genesis 5, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And Matthew opens by saying, basically, this is the book of the generations or genealogy of Jesus Christ. And again, we might miss that. We might not see the significance of what Matthew is trying to say to the people that he's writing to. He's basically saying, Matthew wants us to understand that with the coming of Jesus, there's a new genesis, a new beginning. God is doing something new. He's continuing this work of creation in sending the Messiah, the promised one, through this long line of history that the Jews loved to trace. Paul writes about the significance of, of the first Adam and the second Adam in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. Making that link again between the first Adam and the second Adam. Saying that God is doing something new in creation through Jesus. So... Jesus' family tree. It is about history. And uh, for some people, history is boring. For others, it is exciting. It depends what your history is, doesn't it? Uh, some people want to forget their history because it's not good. Other people celebrate their history uh, because it is good. And uh, we see in the genealogy of Jesus 
that his family tree is about history. It's about where he came from. And it's about who he is. Secondly, I want to say, Jesus' family tree, it's about honesty. You know? But it's also... The Bible is honesty, is honest in, in, in showing Jesus' heritage and his line. Uh, there's names in there, yes, that we, we haven't heard of before or we don't know a lot about, but there are also names that we recognize very readily. There's some good people like, like David and Abraham, but even David and Abraham, they didn't get it right all the time. We could have easily have gone for David and Abraham. We could have given them a boo and a hiss, couldn't we, when they were getting it wrong. Jesus, in his family tree, in his family line, he doesn't hide, it isn't hidden that there are a few skeletons in the cupboard. Very often we try and hide them. I came across this little story. The children of a well-to-do family decided to give their father a book containing their family history for a birthday present. They commissioned a professional biographer to write the book, carefully cautioning him about the family's black sheep, their uncle George, who'd been executed in an electric chair for murder. And they felt it would be best if the biographer left uncle George out of the book. But he said, there's no need to do that. I can report the situation in such a way that there'll be no embarrassment to your father or to you. I'll merely write that Uncle George occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important government institution. He was attached to his position by the strongest of ties and his death came as a real shock to all of us. (laughs) In the genealogy of Jesus, uh, it isn't hidden that there's some bad apples that there are people that we might be surprised to to find in Jesus' line. It starts off okay with Abraham, the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Judah, and his brothers Judah, the father of Perez and Zeref, whose mother was Tamar. Anybody know anything about Tamar? In fact, very interesting uh, that there are women included in the in the lineage of Jesus, mentioned in Jesus' genealogy. Very unusual. Because, as, as, you, as you could see, mainly, it was about fathers and sons. But actually, there's four very unlikely women in Jesus' genealogy. There is Tamar, there's Rahab, there's Ruth, and there's Bathsheba. Bathsheba, Matthew can't even bring himself to mention the name of Bathsheba. He just says, he, he puts it like this, um, Boaz was the father who... Um, where are we? One, one five on my own? Can't just find it. But he, he talks about, um, he talks about the wife rather than actually mentioning the name because he can't bring herself to mention because of course Bathsheba was the person, uh, that David had adultery with. And, uh, these are all people that we perhaps wouldn't expect to find in Jesus' lineage. But are there for a reason. And the, the reason that they're there, they, we read about the histories of these four women and the men on the list. You aren't supposed to focus on the sin, but the grace of God. Because the, his, the hero of the story, of course, is God and what God is doing. And the history of Israel is a history of what God has been doing through the lives of his people. And the story is that some of these people were great and got it right. And others of these people weren't so great and didn't get it right. Rahab, of course, uh, was uh, a prostitute. 
Uh, Ruth was a good person, but she wasn't a, a Jewish person. And of course, uh, Bathsheba uh, committed adultery with David. Four unlikely women, three are Gentiles, uh, three are involved in some sorts of sexual immorality, two are involved in some sort of prostitution, and one is an adulteress. And all four are in the line that leads to Jesus Christ. So when we read about these, these stories... Uh, we are reminded of the grace of God who works through good and bad people. People a little bit like you and a bit a little bit like me. We all have histories. We all have families. And I'm sure if any of you have traced your family history, you'll find all sorts of interesting characters. Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them uh, indifferent. And so it is about honesty, the family tree of Jesus. Uh, we're not hiding skeletons in the cupboard when it comes to Jesus' family history. But there are, it is a dysfunctional family tree. Um, you know, the people of Israel, the story of Israel is a story of God's people uh, attempting to follow God, but very often getting it wrong and going off in all sorts of wrong directions. And many of us can identify with that because we too may come from dysfunctional families. Um, you know, maybe there are people that, that have never known a, a father. We live in a, a society, don't we, where there are many fathers missing from the family homes. There are all sorts of, of, of interesting relationships now. And uh, it isn't very straightforward, is it? You know, uh, when we're working with, with children in our community. Uh, you know, we can't presume that any longer that they've got a mother and a father. Uh, we can't presume that they'll be in contact with their grandparents or even know who they are because we live in this uh, strange society where, where families are very often dysfunctional. And we see that in Jesus' family tree. Again, uh, Michael Green in his book, he says, Here at the outset of the gospel, Matthew goes out of his way to show that the barriers between men and women are broken down. Women share in the genealogy of the Messiah alongside men. The barriers between Gentiles and Jew are broken down too. Ruth plays a part in the coming of the one who was not only Messiah of Israel, but saviour of the whole world. And in the just position of, of sinful women like Bathsheba and Tamar, with Mary, the gentle mother of Jesus, shows that the barriers between good people and bad people have also come crashing down. At the very beginning of the gospel, the all-embracing love of God is emphasized. Nothing can stand in its path. There is nobody who does not need it. Maybe the genealogy is not so dry after all. And we could spend weeks, couldn't we, looking at some of these characters and uh, looking into their stories and uh, and finding out the good and the bad uh, within this family tree. So, the family tree, it's about honesty. It's about honesty. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that this tells us is that when, we, when, we, when we're coming to God, we can be honest. We don't have to pretend. We can be honest. Uh, we should be honest with one another, but we're not always honest, are we? You know, sometimes we don't, we don't allow people in because we don't want them to know. Sometimes maybe because we're ashamed. Sometimes because things have gone wrong. And uh, we, we, we put on a face, don't we? And we're not honest. But when it comes to God, we can be honest. Uh, and he doesn't want us to be anything other than honest with him. And I don't know about you, but I think that's good news. It's good news that people need to hear. So the family tree... It's, uh, it's history, it's about history, it's about honesty. And it's also about you and me. It's also about you and me. 
Jesus' family tree. It's also about you and me. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. As I've mentioned, you know, Matthew wants us to know that this is the Christ. This is the one who's coming to save us. This is the one who is going to bring good news to sinners. He's going to be the friend. He's called the friend of sinners and outcast. This is a Christ for everyone. Not even the Jewish people got a hang of that. They were expecting a Messiah to come like King David. They were looking for a king who was going to be a mighty warrior. Even the Jews didn't all recognize Jesus as Messiah because it wasn't what they expected. But Jesus was the Messiah for everybody, for the whole of the world. And that includes you and it includes me. Jesus' family tree. It's about you and it's about me. Jesus' family tree tells us that no matter how messed up we are, there's a place for us in his family. Jesus' family tree is full of people that messed up. And the church is also full of people that mess up, that make a mess of their lives. And they are welcome. And we want to embrace them. And we want to love them. And we want to show them the same grace that Jesus Christ showed to the lost, to the outcast and the sinners. And at Christmas time, you know, we've got this amazing story to tell. A wonderful opportunity. We all saw in our television sets, you know, the, the stampedes at the supermarkets on Black Friday. You know, desperate people, desperate people who are, who are looking for something, searching for something. And, uh, you know, we, you know, it's so easy to, to get on the bandwagon and criticise that. Uh, but who doesn't, who doesn't like a bargain? I like a bargain. I'm just as, I'm just as bad as those people. I perhaps wouldn't do it so obviously. But we all like a bargain, don't we? And it's so easy, isn't it, to, to criticize others. Well, we've got good news for people just like that. Because we've got a story that is worth telling. That says, whatever a mess you make of your life, you're still welcome in this family. Because Jesus loves you and cares for you and wants to change and make sense of that mess and sort some things out because that's what he came to do. The saviour comes to save us from ourselves, from our sin, from our wrongdoing. And this is good news. And it's good news for you, it's good news for me, but it's good news for people who are outside of the church. And we need to get that message out. And that's why we invite people to our carol services. That's why we're doing this purpose of Christmas. Just a fun way to try and uh, invite people in to explore what Christmas is all about. And we're not saying that we've got a monopoly. As a church, we can't say we're not, we haven't got a monopoly on Christmas. People celebrate Christmas in all sorts of different ways. And rather than criticise that, we've got to respect it. But we've got a story to tell as well. And we've got to find our place out there in the marketplace and, and be just as confident about telling our story about Jesus as other people are about their, what they and how they celebrate Christmas. We don't need to be ashamed of Jesus. It's about you and it's about me. And then Matthew ends this kind of list of names. Interestingly, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to the Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Matthew, in this genealogy, he wants us to see and he wants to stand out. Three names stand out in this genealogy, don't they? There's Abraham, David, and Christ. Three names that stand out. And again, we, we perhaps 
miss the significance of what Matthew is doing in these 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Now, Bible commentators and scholars, whenever there's numbers involved, they get very excited. And they come up with all sorts of ideas about what the numbers might mean. I don't know about your Bible, but in, in my NIV, it's kind of set out in, in, in you can perhaps see, in, in, in three blocks of, of 14. Very nice and, and, and neatly. And, and some people think that Matthew's doing this because he, he almost wants us to see. It's, it's like a, a Belisha beacon flashing. You know, Abraham, David, Christ. There's a message here. But there may be a significance in that 14 generations. Um, Here's your Hebrew lesson for today. Uh, The name David, you know, when when they write in Hebrew, they they don't use the the vowels. Um, And so the name of David actually, there's a numerical number given to each letter, actually adds up. There's There's a four, a six, and a four. Anybody any good at maths? What does it come to? 14. So the, Dave, the name David uh, is equal in numbers to, to 14. And Matthew's saying there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, from David to the exile, from the exile to Jesus. And again, he's, he's, he's highlighting that this is a son of David. He's highlighting the fact that here is the Messiah which was promised. This is a fulfillment of the promise that was given to Abraham, that the whole world would be blessed through his seed, through his offspring. And of course, what does Jesus do? He comes and he doesn't just bless the Jewish people. The thing that upset the Pharisees and teachers of the law was that Jesus wanted to bless people that were called unclean, people that were outsiders. Jesus wanted to include them. And so the promise of Abraham, but even more importantly, that it was prophesied that the Messiah would come through the line of David. And it seems that Matthew is wanting to really highlight that in his gospel and say, look, see what's happening. Jesus, the Christ, is coming into the world. And here's the signs. He's a son of Abraham. He's a son of David. He is the Christ. And it's interesting in the Gospels, Matthew uses the, the, the title, you know, it becomes a title for Jesus, doesn't it? Son of David. And interestingly, if you look up the reference where, where people talk to Jesus about Son of David, it's very often when people are in need, you know, crying out, Help me, Son of David, Jesus, Son of David, help me, crying out. And of course, Jesus did exactly that. So, Jesus' family tree, it is, it is about history. There's a line there that we can follow back and we can find out. It's about honesty. Nothing's hidden. And of course, we can't hide anything from God anyway. We can hide things from other people, but we can't hide anything from God. And it is about you and me because we have a place in Jesus' family. We are part of the family. Uh, we are sons and daughters. You know, we sing that song, Father Abraham has many sons and daughters. And we are those sons and daughters. And we are part of that family. And we celebrate it and we rejoice. Uh, But we also travel together 
in more difficult times. We don't write people off because they make a mess of their lives. We try to help them and we bring them back into the family. We want to encourage one another. And we see that all from the genealogy of Jesus. Let's pray.